Hi guys, I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today we have a very special episode that I shot in Brazil uh, while there for the Pedro Sauer Jiu Jitsu camp. Um, and I interviewed two guys after receiving their black belts from the professor in Brazil, uh, Adam Dean and Brent Lillard uh, from Virginia and America. Um, yeah, we talk about learning from the professor from, a, uh, from white belt to now black belts, um, what got them into Jiu Jitsu uh, and starting their business together and how Jiu Jitsu has helped their company. We also uh, touch on the experience of testing in paradise pretty much uh, for their black belts in Brazil. Um, we get into their history of injuries and also finding order in times of chaos. So it's a pretty cool conversation. I uh, hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch you later. Us. Hi guys, I'm the Impaired Grappler and welcome to my podcast. Today we have two very special guests, the two latest black belts after Kyle in the Pedro Sauer Association. So welcome guys, we have Adam Dean and Brett Lillard. 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 Yep, yep. Lillard. Yeah, Sorry. thanks. <laughs> so you guys are from... Uh, from Virginia. From Virginia, from, Virginia from um So you've been training under Pedro for since... Since the start, since so. about 2006, that's yeah. when he came down there. I believe moved down around 2006. So we were at uh, One Spirit Martial Arts. It was Dave Anderson's gym, and uh, Ben Douglas was our uh, main instructor. We had uh, a, at first before Pedro came down. So. We had a real case of dumb luck because uh, a month after we started uh, training, they said, uh, you know, we're one. We were already amazed at this purple belt, Ben Douglas, and, and couldn't believe how good he was. And then. Uh, they said, oh, we're going to be getting someone who's even better to come teach. And we couldn't imagine that. And uh, that someone better was Pedro Sauer who was moving there. You know, we helped him move into his house and, uh, you know, not even realizing really who he was at the time. And, uh, you know, got uh, indoctrinated. Yeah, yeah so like you just feel spoiled when you when you get a, introduced to him at a early level, like from white belt level. You know, it's like, yeah, the, the knowledge and the concepts are just transferable to life right. and everything. So, like... Uh, it's just amazing. So, what brought you guys both into jiu-jitsu to start with? So, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, I met Adam back in college, and he was actually a, a lifelong martial artist. So he was really um, into, like, the stand-up martial arts, and he would wrestled and done all this stuff. And so I was really interested in that. He was uh, he would teach me a couple of things and, uh, you know, just how to stand up box and, you know, basic stuff. So I got really uh, just into it in my head and then took a class at George Mason um, under Ben and uh, Chris Kim. And, uh, and actually, Dave Anderson was the official instructor, but it was all Pedro Sauer affiliates. And I had uh, I, I took that for I guess the year or you know, six months or whatever, and um, and brought back and showed a couple of techniques to Adam. And he and I were living together at the time. And Adam was like, "Wow, this stuff's really effective. Like this actually might be worth learning." Absolutely. And when he and when he told me that, I was like, "Oh my God!" Like Adam's been doing martial arts his whole life, and he thinks this stuff is good. So maybe this is like it's not just in my head because you know, I was mm. naive to martial arts at the time. I was brand new to it all, and so um, so we joined the gym together. We actually saw the USC fight, um, Hoist Gracie and Matt Hughes, UFC 60, and uh, and we were you know we had already like looked up about you know the original Hoist and all all yeah. the stuff, and like the, you know we're just learning about the Gracies and all that, and uh, we joined the gym you know and uh, under under Ben Douglas and you know little Ben they called him, and he just beat us all over the mat. You know it was amazing, just with finesse and uh, you know with a smile, but always like you know we could never. You know, just just couldn't imagine how how effective the techniques were. And then after, you know, a while, we were bringing all of our friends there, and just like got totally obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 
So, and from your perspective, yeah, from my perspective, you know, I, I like he said, I, I was a lifelong martial artist, and I, I was, uh, you know, doing doing the Taekwondo thing as a kid, the Kempo Karate and Hapkido, of course. But uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, the state of martial arts in America in the early '90s wasn't so great. So. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, I found out like my first martial arts instructor was illegitimate. You know, he just wanted to have a karate school, so he gave himself a black belt. And, you know, but of course, there's always benefits in uh, uh, being a kid, uh, you know, having martial arts and stuff. But the problem was is that I grew up thinking that I was uh, a tough guy and that I could kick people's ass. And, uh, you know, when I uh, went to jiu-jitsu, uh, I found out that uh, everything I thought I was, I wasn't. And then I just desperately wanted to... <laughs> Fill that back. void. <laughs> <laughs> My ego was broken. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty common story. I yeah, think. that one was from lifelong martial artist. But we yeah. bring bigger people in too. You know, so it's like like you know, because we're we're not all that big. You know, like I'm pretty skinny and he's got short. You know, but like we bring big monsters in there that we were just couldn't believe like what was happening to him, and we would just see it over and over so <laughs> consistently. Yeah. It was like my God, it just it made you a believer. You know, immediately you can't you can't experience it without believing in it yeah. if you truly do experience it. Yeah, cool. So, so tell us, like, you guys all started a business together with a few other friends that are here as well. And yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah, so, as well, but yeah, like. Yeah. So being a, uh, we were in the Northern Virginia area when when Brent and I met, which is right outside of Washington D.C. So a lot of the economy there uh, revolves around the federal government, United States yeah. federal government. You know, so. Uh, naturally, there's a lot of federal type jobs, either working for the government or selling to the government or selling to somebody who sells to the government. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Brent got into the uh, industry, uh, into a, an IT company that was uh, a small business that was selling to the government. And, uh, I, you know, him and I always, from, from the time we became friends, we were... Uh, we always saw eye to eye on a lot of things and we always kind of held each other. We, we knew, we were sure that one day we were going to be running a hundred million dollar company. We were sure that we were going to do it. Didn't know exactly how, but we knew that we knew that it was going to happen. And we, you know, we always looking out to, to, you know, better ourselves and to find the next, you know, the next best opportunity that we could, you know, with hard work. And, uh, what, it, what ended up happening was is that, uh, Brent was working at this company, uh, uh, called Pen America. And they, uh, he had some guys there that were in their mid to early twenties and uh, they were making a lot of money, like a yeah, lot of money. And we were just blown away by how much money they were making. And Brent was telling me, you got to get in this industry, you know. And uh, so I ended up finding my, my way into a uh, Fortune 500 version of what he was doing. Right. And uh, started learning the, the big business side of things. Uh, and uh, so did uh, some of our other friends that are here today, like Glenn and Hamza. And we were working at a company called CDW together. And we... Uh, when the timing was right, you know, we uh, we joined joined forces. Yeah. So Hams and I came down and uh, started Gusmar in 2010, and just we uh, grew it. Once we all linked up, we knew that one day we would all link up. It's just a matter of we had to go down and get the infrastructure set yeah. up. And you know, we were actually working with them. Our first big deal came from Adam. You know, coming. You know, basically like working with us. You know, as a small business. Mm. You know, because we would be like the prime contractor, and then he'd be the subcontractor. Mm. So we figured out a lot of creative ways to to get the company going. And then once it was up and running, and the four of us were together, it was just like clockwork. I mean, it was amazing. Every meeting we had. Um, and we attribute uh, attribute a lot of the success to the jiu-jitsu because mm -hmm. by the time we started, you know, GovSmart, we were already full on into jiu-jitsu. We had a policy for everyone at GovSmart to be able to train, mm -hmm. and it just uh, it really, you know, it grew extremely fast. So we were Brazilian ant. Oh yeah, nice. So we were. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, we've gotten a bunch of recognition at, at the company. We were um, in twenty. Let's see, 2014, we're the fast-growing uh, computer hardware company in, in the United States. 
and then in 2015 we were um, top 20 most promising companies in Forbes magazine. Uh, so we've, uh, you know, we did 122 and a half million in sales this year, and uh, we've got 45 employees. So we've been uh, really, you know, it's been awesome. But we we really take a lot of the jujitsu philosophy that we've learned from Pedro Sauer. And, uh, and really apply it to business. You know, it's been really, really good. And not only that, we also pick off a lot of employees off the jiu-jitsu mats. Yeah. So we've had several several employees that weren't in our industry yeah. to begin with. And, uh, you know, but we saw, in my opinion, jiu-jitsu is, is a reflection of, uh, of life in a lot of ways. And, you know, it kind of covers all the aspects of it, all the ranges of emotions that, that are in there. And you can kind of see a lot uh, uh, a lot of things in people that uh, will apply to other areas of their life as well. You know, Ooh. typically the guy who's laughing and smiling when he's getting his ass kicked on the mat is probably going to deal okay when he gets Ooh. some bad news at work. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, so. So that's pretty interesting. Like you guys, you were in college, like a bunch of friends, and you knew you were going to, you want to start something together. But you all went your separate ways. Yeah. Like what each of you needed to to learn to yeah. bring back into the business and yeah, we, we work we together. To, we knew we wanted to do it. We just didn't have a plan yet. Yeah. So we ended up having to go our different ways to find out what worked. And then and we kind of we took the best of both worlds. Okay. So we took all the the small business. Um, advantages that you have by being a small business selling to the government and then we took a lot of the things that the big businesses were doing that were working really well it gave us a unique perspective so we ended up being a blend where yeah, we had and then know, all the advantages of both incorporating jiu-jitsu just and that was really where we stood apart you know like when we'd go to meetings everyone wanted to hear about where you know where you got that scratch on your face then we'd start talking about <laughs> you know, this or that you know and it, like it's uh you know just being here in brazil right now you know we had last night you know um we had a big meeting going on back home there was a big bar event with Dell and we had people out there and they, they FaceTimed with us. You know, here we are in Brazil, you know, getting ready to test for our black belts. It's a really neat story. You know, people are very interested in that type of thing. And it's, uh, but the, the main thing is that the bonding that you get as a group, you know, like what Adam and I have experienced together, you know, going through this whole thing, you can't, you can't explain it. You know, it's not something that you can just uh, tell people, like, you know, this is really great. You know, it's just like you have to experience it to even understand, like, how great something can be. You know, it's like it makes you almost cry, you know, like, you know, thinking about it. It's been really, really huge in yeah. my life. Um, I went from being like really timid. I was literally afraid to poop at school, terrified of things like that, like had a lot of anxiety, really weird um, things like that. And then uh, jujitsu just literally smashed all that out of me. You know, it didn't, you know, you don't have the option really to be like that after a while. You know, mm -hmm. it just kind of you know, desensitizes you. So I, I owe a yeah. lot to jujitsu. Yeah, like, like all of us do. And one time I was, uh, I heard Kurt Osiander put it, uh, I, that time we went to a private with him, he was talking about how jiu-jitsu affects people, and he said, uh, he's like, you know how, like, uh, jiu-jitsu kind of starts, the white belts come in, and as they near their blue belt, it's kind of beating the lame out of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's, yeah. it's really true. And Pedro calls it the one percenters, you know, the, another advantage is that, you know, the people that don't have that type of personality, they can handle, a, you know, having their ego shattered and then like pick themselves back up and learn and like decide okay well I'm just going to get better at this and it's really hard for some people so you you end up with you know what's left the core group they're all vetted you know and it's amazing it's like you see more like the smartest like nicest like most capable badasses that you could ever imagine like it's just not it's not normal it's not what I ever would have thought martial arts would be um, and a lot of that you know we can attribute to you know Peter Sauer and his environment that he's created, his philosophies, his like his Coaches. kind of personality, his example, his example. Yeah. You know, he he sets a hell of an example, and he's probably up there right now, you know, stacking rocks at yeah. the waterfall. You know, because 
he's just, uh, it's really, really amazing, you know, to, to watch him, you know, and it's just been an awesome role model. Yeah, well, I was, we were here five, uh, five years ago, I think, 2013, and like, yeah, so much has changed, and like, you guys have come, this is your fifth time? This is our fifth, 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 fifth year time. Really, so, yeah. like, to, to tell us about the experience of, um, you know, all the times you've come, but like, this time around, you tested for your black belt today, like, what was it like, like, la last night you were like, you know, couldn't sleep and stuff. Sleep. So, yeah. uh, sort of tell us about what you know, what was going through your your head, like both of you, and then like yeah. then today, actually, like what you actually remember, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. and then like how it's all been, and then like we're sitting in front of yeah. the famous uh, Elio Gracie. Is that the Passat? Is that That's his, his one? car? That's yeah. his yeah. one. Yeah. Car. Pedro Sauer Ped restored. Had it restored. Pedro Sauer's had it fully restored. We had it parked by the pool. We took photos um, with your brand new black belt. So yeah, that's true. It's, it's pretty cool. Cool. So I'll, I'll, I'll over it to you. <laughs> you, like, you guys... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, last night for me was interesting. You know, actually, uh, when I was taking a shower before I went to bed, I, I, yesterday was when Pedro officially told us we were going to test. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty uh, just emotionally even just to hear that in, in the beginning because it's this goal that, that I, you know, set mm. from the time I, it started. I mean, Everyone wants to, when they start, if they get into jiu-jitsu, you want to be a black belt, you know. Um, not because you just want to be a black belt, but you want to possess those abilities, you know, that, that deserve it. It's and, such a far-off goal. And it's, yeah, it's so it's yeah. so distant, you know, when you first begin. And, and it's something I've been talking about, uh, like, when I started off as a white belt, you know, this black belt's this untouchable yeah. untouchable person that's just, you know, it's a superhuman. And, and you get your blue belt. Black belt's so so distant, you know. Yeah, and then you so get your, far away at blue belt levels. And you get your purple belt, and you're like, oh, it's, I'm just at the halfway mark. I still have so much more time, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get your brown belt. And the day you get your brown belt, you're like, oh, my gosh, next is black belt. Yeah. You know, if I don't. If I don't start fixing what I think needs to be fixed right now, every day is a day wasted, you know. So um, uh, definitely felt the felt that pressure, you know, over, over the last uh, two years. I've been a brown belt now for two years. I was a brown belt for two years. And um, so when I was in the shower, I, I, I was just started to get overwhelmed with emotion. Definitely started to, to tear up, you know. And it was just a big, big moment for me just to imagine uh, today. And so uh, last night uh, I would sleep for two hours, wake up, and I'd wake up and I'd review the self-defense exam. I'd watch a video of someone else's test yeah. and go back to sleep and dreaming about moves. And uh, I was definitely up extra early this morning. <laughs> it's yeah. a little different, you know, because we, all of our experience, our muscle memory has been, you know, a lot of ground, you know, work and stuff. But, you know, fortunately, you know, getting in under Peter Sauer early, he kind of taught us that, you know, self-defense was what it was all about. So all of our training has been revolved around making sure that it works in a self-defense environment. So we've learned a lot of good techniques, but for me, the challenge of the, the black belt test was that there's these 76 or whatever moves that are all um, things that I don't do on a day-to-day -day basis in my grappling. In my type of learning, I can't just look at something and, and just spit it back out. It's really, really hard for me. So I, my, my brain struggles with it. So it was a challenge. Um, and now, you know, now that we've gotten our black belts, it's like, you literally start over because now you now everyone looks at every single move if you teach somebody an armbar you have to teach it perfectly or you shouldn't be teaching it and right. so it's like um, you know we have to basically reevaluate our entire game now and realize you know really what holes we have because we're not allowed to have holes anymore or not allowed to have holes that we're not working on you know we have to we have to be aware of our holes and we can't we can't be naive to the fact that you know just because we're black belts we're still the same white belts that we started you know as far as like how much more there is to learn mm. it's just that we've learned so much in the meantime but there's so, so much more so would you say the underlying message is beware of your holes 
<laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, so immature. I don't know. That, that might get this off YouTube. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's so outrageous, bro. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so the, oh, this being the Impaired Grappler podcast, I'd like. You know, I'd love to know what injuries you guys have had and like your experience with, with it and especially like just something that like people from watching, listening to this can, some kind of concept or message they can take or, you know, something you guys do to prevent or when you've got injuries or, you know. Yeah, that's a great. What, you, my, what you've learned. My list will be a little bit shorter, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been one of the, the few people I've never had a significant jiu-jitsu injury. I've never uh, I've never had an injury from jiu-jitsu that made me miss a day of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I, uh, I've, 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 now, that being said, I've also never had a day that I've been doing jiu-jitsu where my body felt great <laughs> in, in that way. You know, yeah. I mean, in terms of I'm always tweaked, you know, my hand hurts or finger this or that. But it's never something yeah. that keeps me... Uh, awesome, now, I did one time while I was out here in Brazil, I... Uh, I uh, was playing soccer, football, and uh, playing in the rain, and I slipped and tore my MCL. Uh, and I, I, but even then, I uh, after I tore my MCL, I still showed up at jiu-jitsu every day, and I had to lay there with my leg flat like this, and everybody passed my guard mm. to the side, and uh, I became an expert or a, a specialist at uh, reversing side control. <laughs> well, that's the thing you don't need. You don't need all your limbs to. Yeah, that's what I do. You don't need all your limbs to no. be able to stay on the mat. So Again, you, you've proven that. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I was completely blown away rolling with you today. That was uh, that was yeah, that, that was, was more than eye opening. Now, from my perspective, I've been hurt a lot. So I, I started out. Now, every one of them I can honestly say was a result of either ego or not doing what I was told or doing what I was told not to do. Something along those lines. It was always uh, looking back. I don't think I'm going to have a lot of those injuries anymore because I've realized what not to do. Mm. But I started with a. Uh, I was I was rolling at uh, Charlottesville Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is where we spend most of our time actually rolling. And uh, I, w- I had a guy, real big badass dude who's on top of me and mount and I put my uh, legs in front of him like this across my legs and I used to can opener people that way and it would work I tapped a lot of people with it for a little while and I was warned by a professor not to do it uh, but I was like oh I've got gumby knees I'm a special case you know so so I did this thing and I'm pulling on him one day and I, I made the mistake of when my leg was bent I pushed it out with my own leg and it just goes pop and I was like, oh no, and I like, like got him off of me. And I'm laying there and I'm like, it was just horrible. It was horrible, horrible pain. And it was a level three uh, LCL tear. And that was um, the beginning of my knee problems. So that was, uh, that was a nightmare. That took about probably five months before I could get back on the mat. And then when I got back on the mat, it was like lay on my back and get, get passed pretty much. Mm. Like he's saying, you pretty much have to be very, very uh, laid back with it. And then I had, uh, after my LCL was uh, torn, over time my meniscus on my right knee started to be a real problem and it was locking up. Uh, I was here at a Brazil camp with Helson Gracie one time and Pedro and the, uh, it locked up on me and I was, it was stuck for like an hour and it took forever and we finally figured out how to get it out and stuff. But um, that ended up needing surgery so I got, got surgery on my right uh, meniscus, had most of it taken out. They told me I could either repair the meniscus and uh, be able to walk uh, long term <laughs> or I could not repair the meniscus take it all out and continue doing jiu-jitsu because if I repair the meniscus they said I couldn't do jiu-jitsu anymore which I don't believe uh, now looking back at it but um, I, I opted for jiu-jitsu so I had them take it out completely so now it's pretty much bone on bone hasn't been a problem yet um, but one day like it might become an issue I might have to get some stem cell stuff but uh, aside from that I've had um, I've had I had a nose uh, deviated septum surgery actually um, separate it wasn't something caused in jiu-jitsu but I figured out that I could wear a head mask like with a it was like a football 
thing. And so I kept training, you know, with that after after the first little while when I was able to. I've had lots of uh, hand injuries where I've had to uh, train with, um, you know, just like fingers getting really hurt. And so yeah. I've had to train with tennis balls tennis or balls. just like cut out the grips. Yeah. Um, all kinds of stuff, neck, back. Um, but all of the injuries that I've gotten for the most part come from trying too hard against a resisting opponent like when you <coughs> lost that position. So if you grab the, the gi and they yank your arm off, you got to let it go. Like you can't, you know, somebody that's twice your size, he's yanking on your hand. You can fight it if you want, but your hands are going to suffer. Yeah, your grip, and you can, right, yeah. Your, your grips can get stronger than your fingers it can withstand. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you can go, you can get really good at triangles, and you put someone in a wicked triangle and they stack you and you don't want to give it up, or you don't want to like make the frame that might make you lose the triangle, but it protects your back. That's a mistake. Because all of us are going to get old and pitiful, and you know there's not going to be any way to train. You you can't be like professor and have that technique, and you know without doing it for a really long time. And if you're going to do it a really long time, you better protect yourself. And he showed us by example after all his surgeries, because he came from the old school, you know, back in the day when they just literally just beat the crap out of each other, you know. And we we're fortunate that we didn't have to, to train have, ourselves. Right, we're an in between. You know, where we're, you know, we've trained hard, trained rough, you know, but we didn't get, we weren't MMA, like, brutally brawling against, you know, all types of people, so it's, it's different, but I do think there's something to be said for learning technique through the live application of it, but I think that it's way better to learn the, uh, the technique, what not to do, and then, like, start to get into the harder training, because if you don't, you end up making, you know, some serious mistakes. And building bad really habits. Building bad habits, damage your body. You know, it's a, you know, it's hard on the ego to, to just not. Um, to, to listen to everything and no, no, I'm different, I'm different, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, you might pull something. Like, oh, I should oh, have yeah. done that, but yeah. So, we've got just one final question. I mean, um, I ask Cole this as well, but in terms of order and chaos, like, you know, jiu-jitsu, we're always under, under pressure and then, like, try to find peace, you know, in the chaos and whatever. So, like, how have you, have, when, have you got an example of when you found order in terms of chaos and, like, whether in your childhood, um, or adulthood, um, you know, that we could, that you could, uh, impart on us all. Sure. I got one good one from Hawaii. So when I was, uh, when I was in Hawaii with these guys, it was actually right before we started the Brazil trip tradition. And, uh, me and Sean decided one day it was double overhead craziness. And we went out, we were in North Shore Oahu in November and it was really crazy waves out there and we just didn't, I didn't think much of it because I thought I was this invincible swimmer at the time. I'd never had anything scared me in the water to hold my breath for so long. And so uh, we went on out there and I had a horrible, horrible, almost drowning experience. It went out way too far, got tired, got caught into some shit and it was bad. And it was, uh, it was literally a life or death um, struggle. I remember being limp in the water at one point, like this is it, like game over, my friends, my friends back on the beach like here I'm dying all alone like you know I literally had these thoughts and something about the you know this was after jiu-jitsu though and I know that without jiu-jitsu I wouldn't have been able to be calm in that moment because you have so many times where someone's suffer suffocating the crap out of you and you can't breathe and you're panicking you're panicking and all of a sudden you realize it's all in my head just gotta calm down just gotta work on my breath and like that was the moment I had where it was just like I have one chance to get out of this and I ended up getting out of it uh, it was felt like a miracle you know it was, it was just a really traumatizing was experience i was literally just yeah, kissing yeah, the beach. When I got back. <laughs> it was closer to death than i ever think that i could have come um if anything went wrong anything like you know anything or worse <laughs> yeah, or, i mean yeah i mean it was so much could have happened in that situation but i remember uh how important it was for me to be able to find that you know that tranquility 
when you're in the middle of hell. You're in the middle of chaos. You know, you have to be able to like silence it for a second so you can think clearly. Yeah, so. that's kind of like the how they used to like John the Baptist used to baptize people by drowning them until no. they have that like epiphany, and that's what that's kind of like the the metaphysical kind of mm. you know when you you have that experience. Right. Allegedly, I don't know. But like that's Maybe the like DMT what I heard. Coming out in the yeah, it's like yeah, something like that. Your brain's like when you and then you let go, and that's like you're born anew. And like, did you feel like you actually and you got oh, born anew? Yeah, totally so different person. Like, it, it, it changed. Yeah, me. it definitely yeah, changed. Definitely. So. Yeah. It just did. That's the rest of our trip got a lot safer. <laughs> <laughs> My life got a little bit safer, honestly. I stopped taking quite as many. You know, that type of risk was felt really normal, and then like. Once you realize that, okay, I, I don't have the judgment to decide you know, what's mm. safe and what's And the not. older you get, the less you're able to actually do what you could do like 5, 10, 20 years ago. Right. You know, the older we get, the more yeah. stuff we used to be the, good the, at. The 20-year-old me right. would have just, you know, I've jumped out of planes. I did all sorts yep. of stuff, but, you know, skiing all the time. I couldn't go skiing now with my with my knees. Yeah. If I fell on my arm, I'd be, I'd be screwed, you know. But, oh, and, like, Crazy. did you have anything... So to answer that, like yeah. the question basically being yeah, order, uh, finding order in times of chaos, just outside of like you know being under mantle, yeah. <laughs> being squashed like under sort of in your life, you know whether as a kid or just yeah, you know, uh, I've always been uh, pretty uh, pretty happy go lucky for the most part, and uh, uh, I did have uh, an incident happen where uh, so I was I was really athletic back in high school, and I you know I was. Uh, I always prided myself in, you know, playing various sports, you know, from football to wrestling and lifting weights and such. And uh, when I was 17, I uh, had a real bad headache one day, and uh, it was terrible, and I, it didn't go away for two weeks, and I went to the hospital to get it looked at. And long story short, they told me I was missing a, a fifth of my brain. Okay. And uh, they, they came in and said, you know, it, which is pretty shocking, because they come in on the, and they slap a CAT scan, and they're like, this is your brain. And this giant lime-sized, lemon-sized thing is a cyst that we don't know what it is. And we're going to have to take you by an ambulance. We're going to have to take you by an ambulance to, uh, to a different hospital. And uh, so, you know, my parents are freaking Jeez. out. And, uh, and I remember having this feeling uh, where I was like, so they put me on the stretcher to wheel me out to the ambulance. And, and I, I, it was, really, it was a, one of the most significant moments of my whole life. I was like, I wonder how much better it's going to be, or how much longer it's going to be till I wake back up in my bed and everything's normal again. Because right now it's a little bit crazy, but I'm sure, like, because I remember, I remember when I was a teenager and I broke my hand and I was so devastated because I couldn't play basketball for six yeah. weeks. But then, then before I knew it, I was playing basketball again, yeah. you know, and it was just, the, the time came. And so uh, in that moment when things were a little bit crazy and a little bit scary, I, I, uh, I felt my, uh, my brain shift uh, shift to that thought and uh i remember i I, wo I was so dedicated on the thought and so I, you know they found out it's so what i have isn't killing me it's called an arachnoid cyst and uh, it's relatively asymptomatic and uh but i woke up the next day and because of all the painkillers and drugs they had me on i was like i was like i wonder if i'm gonna be better today and i just remember getting sick and okay it's not today and it took two months until my headache went away but uh but um you know, so I definitely in that moment, though, I definitely found a lot of peace and yeah, some so, chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, you probably found your whole life was in chaos and you didn't even know it. You're and right. Like, yeah. So you said you were like, they reckon you were born with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so apparently, apparently I had a stroke. So before I was born. You, you grew up like that. So yeah. It's like, yeah. It says a lot about uh, the neuroplasticity of the brain and, you know, I'm sure like you play chess all the time. So it's, it's not like 
it's had a, an impact no, no, on your on your sure. life at all. So it's uh, that's it's been a great amazing. excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep playing chess. I have to keep training my brain. I have to keep doing it. But yeah, yeah. All right, no worries. Uh, thanks for being so open and honest. Yeah, thanks for your, you. Thanks for your. It's a great yeah, day. It's, yeah, it's been it's, it's been, been a great trip. Been a great it's, been, it's been an awesome day. It was actually really good. But yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for cool. that. And, yeah, thanks. Um, We'll, we'll see you guys. Thank you, man. You guys yeah, are heading off so tonight. So yeah, we'll see you guys tonight. hopefully in America. Hopefully we'll, back uh, next yeah. year. And we'll yeah. see you guys in Australia. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely coming. coming. For sure. Yeah, we're yeah. Yeah, You'll we'll be surprised. We'll be there. there faster than you think. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you will. I'm, yeah, we'll, we'll be happy to have you guys. Awesome. But anyway, Great. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers. We'll power out. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Alrighty guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was a pretty cool conversation with Adam and Brent. Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed. Um, yeah, be sure to check out the links below for their their links as well as um, my social media links. Be sure to follow, um, follow, like, subscribe and share and all that jazz. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.